0: favor and pray. Lord, thank you for each person that's here tonight, and give us your grace, please. This is so amazing and needs your help. I love you, Jesus, in your name, amen. All right, you ready to take some notes, maybe? Um, the, uh, let me see if I can get rid of that. There, we can. i don't think so. Um Date of writing, his ministry begins in his written about 740 B.C. And last for about, you know, what, 60 years, close to that. Uh, When he began his ministry, Assyria began to rise in power. And they were a force to reckon with, and you'll see the map here in just a second. Um, But Tiglath-Pileser, the third became this powerful leader, made some brilliant political moves and broke up some of the power systems in Assyria. And the result was it just bloomed out and began to dominate the entire area. By the way, that's Iraq. If that gives you a little bit of a perspective, uh, it, his ministry coincides with Hosea and Micah, which is really critical. Uh, and we'll, we'll learn more about that. There's a major problem in interpreting the book of Isaiah. Some of you perhaps have never heard this. We'll just keep it real simple. When you read chapters 1 to 39, it's really oriented to Jerusalem. Okay, The warnings, hey, trouble's coming. You better obey. Trouble's coming. Better obey. Come on, Jeremiah. Uh, it, but it presents God majestically, uh, a God of mercy, uh, giving Israel hope. But something clicks in chapter 40 to the end of the book. New vocab? Hmm. Words that were not used in 139 are now used in 40 to 66. And the geography changes. It's as though Israel is in Babylon, which chronologically does not match up. Why is, uh, are there names used for this region? And uh, you, you might remember that 586 BC is one of the most important dates you to know in the old testament because that's when babylon finally levels jerusalem it's over and and there's this mass you know company going back to babylon for the what's known as the babylon captivity so you can't you can't sync that up and so old testament scholars say you have isaiah and then they coined a phrase deutero isaiah and what does Deuteronomy mean in Greek? Second. Number two, the second book. It's as though there's two separate books. But the version you have in your Bible in mine, it's as other one. Okay. Lots of difficulty in resolving that. There is a way to do it, but it's complex, okay? We won't jump into that. If you want to do a deep dive, you can Google that. There's lots of websites that give some good material on that. Um, all right, let's keep going here. Uh, Look at the map. The green and the lighter green, the lime green, that's the influence of Assyria at this time. The darker green, which which loops down to Damascus, that is their domain and it expands out even to eventually include Judah. Yep. So this is a serious political dynamic in the area. And... Through the prophet Isaiah and Hosea and Micah, Israel is warned: the enemy's coming, Assyria. The enemy's coming. The enemy's coming. You know, you need to turn to the Lord. So, um, why was it written? Well, as you would imagine, to really prophesy to the to the north, the tribe north of Judah, because that's they're going to get it first, and. Judah was in this uh, hot and cold, I'm in, I'm out kind of a thing. Revival and this love for the Lord and then this rebellion against God. This back and forth, this half-hearted, fence-sitting kind of devotion. And uh, Judah was threatened with destruction. But God shows mercy and actually prevents it. it spares Judah from that. Okay, um, Isaiah proclaimed a message of repentance, of sin but hope. In the grace of God. It's important that you make a mental note that Isaiah prophesies through all of these kings: Uzziah, Hezekiah, all these leaders in Israel. It's really fascinating. Four kings, actually, that he leads. Um, The book is extremely important because it gives us the most comprehensive picture of Christ of any Old Testament book you're going to learn more about Jesus in Isaiah than in any other book in the Old Testament. Unless you want to, you want to reach and grab for the sacrificial system of animal sacrifice. But that really is not necessarily uh, a good hermeneutic. It's Isaiah that you're going to turn to, okay? There's big themes uh, in Isaiah. The remnant, the, you know what a remnant is? What's a remnant? That's a word we almost rarely use. What's that? The leftovers, that which is a small subset. Um, So when you say a remnant of Israel, you're saying a small group who didn't get involved in pagan worship. Another way of saying remnant remnant is a small group of the faithful ones. That's a good way to get it. The remnant, they're the faithful ones or they're the ones who repent. Okay. Okay. Beautiful language, God gives hope. Sovereignty of God, wow, he is Lord. Uh, Servant language. And it's interesting because it denotes not only an individual Israeli man or woman, but it can be my, my servant, the nation Israel, or my servant, the remnant, or my servant, the Messiah. There's even references that God calls Babylon my servant, by the way. I'm using Babylon as my... Paddle to spank Israel, kind of a thing. God even calls what Israel would say is an enemy. God says, it's one of my servants. They do what I want. How's that for sovereign language? And then you get this really curious expression, the Holy One of Israel. In fact, it's used 29 times uh, in the rest of the Old Testament, just seven times. So you get Messiah language, which is really cool. A few more themes are, uh, there's a theme about listening. Hear, listen, 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 get it. God's talking, are we listening? There's a theme of justice, there's a theme of Zion. By the way, Jerusalem is always depicted as a woman, never as a male. Uh, and, and Zion, you're the daughters of Zion, you know. You'll hear that a lot, you'll read that in Isaiah. And when you talk about the bride of Christ, you're talking about the new Israel for Zion. Orphans, widows uh, are mentioned frequently in the, in the book. Now, there's, there's not a lot. It's not like there's 100 references to orphans. But what's interesting is when God addresses the justice problem of Israel, it typically always pertains to allowing the abuse of innocent people. Please hear that <laughs> one of the things that God really really struggles with and is angry about with Israel is their inability to protect the innocent, which is the orphan and the widow. Yep, yeah. God, I'm telling you, God is not into child abuse, that is not something he, he proves. Names of God, um, you have Yehovah for Lord, you have Adonai for Lord. You have Elohim. Anytime you see an I am or an I in, it's always the E sound, Elohim. You've got Yah, and you have E-O. Those are all common names for uh, the Lord or for God in in the Book of Isaiah. Yehovah is really, really popular. Um, you'll see that a lot. Israel, uh, Israel, Isaiah the prophet. Um, his name really is it's Yeshu. Yahu is how you say Isaiah in Hebrew, which is not even close to English. And it means God is my salvation or God is, God is salvation. In fact, his name would be Yeshayahu ben Amut, which means the son of Amos, is what that means in Hebrew. Um, he was married. We have no idea what his wife's name is. Okay? She's just known as a prophetess. That's all we know. Um, Two kids. Yeshuv, which means a remnant will return. That's hope language, Bob. That's a hope name. That's a name that's positive, uh, declaring that God is faithful. And then, can anybody want to jump in on that one? That's really fun Hebrew. you want to go for that one, what do you think, Dale? You want to go for it? <laughs> that is, yeah, Maher. You gotta get the heck going, Jenna. Maher Shalal Hash Baz. It's how that's pronounced in Hebrew. And it means swift is the spoil and speedy is the prey. And do you know what that means? God will punish the enemies of Israel quickly. Quickly, I'm going to restore the fortunes. I'm going to restore my, uh, your prosperity, your blessings. I want you to be happy. I want you to be fulfilled. I want to bless you. Um, these names reveal God's love and God's mercy on Israel Um, just a little bit more you're looking at and this is awesome a shot of the Isaiah scroll which is the most complete scroll in all of the Dead Sea scroll collection all right flawless in manuscript quality to the other manuscripts of Isaiah that we'd already had, amazing! You, uh, the bottom section, Dead, DSS Dead Sea Scroll collections, go there and you get to look at it. It is amazing, dating to the second and possibly the third century um, B.C. to the third to the second third century A.D. Do you know the significance of the, the Dead Sea Scrolls? Anybody know the story? Okay. So there were, um, you know how we talked about how conservative the uh, Sadducees were? The Saddukeem, they, they were the guys that were running the temple. Okay, they were the temple authorities. They're the ones that really got Jesus killed, by the way. They said, enough. Pharisees are trying to do moral, moral code and law code, moral enforcement. They were the moral police, the Pharisees. But the Saddukeem, the Sadducees, they were real strict. In fact, they were so strict. This is crazy. They were so, how strict were they? They were so strict. All they would give attention to are the first five books of Moses, and that's it. They didn't pay attention to the prophets, to the history books of the Old Testament, to the wisdom literature, just the first five books and nothing else. Okay. And it is the Sadducees. They didn't believe in uh, like angels. They didn't believe in all this fancy spiritual stuff. It was straight law. And don't you mess up. So there are the guys running the temple. And what did Jesus do twice in their temple? What did he do twice? Do you remember? Yeah. He came in and, and slapped them in the face, spiritually, politically, by turning over their tables and shaming them for failing to make the house of God a holy place, a house of prayer. That's a (laughs) no-no. You can banter and argue all you want with the Pharisees about whether you heal on the Sabbath, whatever. You leave the temple alone. And that's when a phone call was made to some dude named Pontius Pilate and said, we've got a problem and we need to fix it. And the whole thing was staged. It's a mess. So, the there was a group of people of Jews called the Essenes. All right, guess what they thought? They thought the, King, the the Sadducees, and the Pharisees were liberals. Yeah, soak that one up. The Essenes, and they they separated, you know, come out from among them, be you separate. And so they went to this place called Qumran near the Dead Sea. And they set up a community, a commune. And to enter into that community, wow, you gave up everything. You gave up all your property, all your money. It was all turned over. You gave up every right you had. You became as nothing. And you blended in and you complied with all the rules and the fasting And the baptisms, baptisms that you would go through daily, daily cleansings and washings from sin. And guess what they did? They believed the word of God was so holy. There was nonstop prayer and nonstop copying of scripture. And so men, you got to understand the IQ, what it takes to copy flawlessly everything on this piece of parchment and put it on that piece of parchment or vellum an animal skin and make no mistakes what it takes to do that without lines yes without lines and oftentimes without a lot of spaces between the words you know amazing and word got out okay that there's trouble in Jerusalem there's this man named Yeshua, or Yehoshua, also known as Jesus. And things are getting bad. And Rome has about had enough. And eventually, they heard that Rome was sending in troops. This is like 80, late 80s, 80, 60s. Okay. And the Qumranis, also known as the Essenes, realized this is it. The end has come. And they took their scrolls and they wrapped them in cloths and just kept bundling them up. And they put them in clay pots and sealed them with pitch and hid them in the caves at Qumran. Unbelievable work. Panicked, they stored knowing the Romans were coming and they knew what... They, they know how Rome operates. No survivors, no mercy, level everything, which is what they did to the temple. And in 1947, a shepherd boy was trying to find a goat that wandered off, and like most boys, he's chunking rocks. He throws the rocks, hears something break, goes in, and this little punk kid finds the Dead Sea Scrolls. Runs and report it, and you, it's like an Indiana Jones story. By the way, now on racing to get to this stuff, it's really cool. You ought to read the backstory on the Dead Sea Scrolls. You're looking at it, <laughs> copied by scribes as early as two centuries before the birth of Jesus. Yeah. I forgot what the E means in BC. Hmm? The E and BC. Yeah. So uh, CE is Common Era. And B.C. is before the common era, and that is an attempt to move away from religious language, where B.C. would be, and before Christ, and A.V. is? What's that? Uh, it's Anno Domini, yeah, in the year of our Lord, but yeah, you're there, you're there. Sir. All right, so really fascinating, okay? Um, let's keep going. So uh, I've already addressed that. Um, Isaiah is quoted by Paul it is fascinating Paul loves Isaiah and, and according as it is written so and so as it is written as it is written and he's usually quoting from from Isaiah so it is Paul's favorite go to go to uh, book Old Testament book look at that just over and over and over again pretty amazing alright <clears throat> so there you go any questions about the intro and we'll, we'll jump in just for a little bit. Any questions? Good? Okay. Uh, ministry coincides with Hosea. right, And with Micah. And if you keep that in mind, you'll notice, wow, I'm hearing some of the same language. Okay. All right. Everybody turn to Isaiah chapter 1. You the time of Hosea, the time of Micah? What's that? You said the ministry of Hosea and Micah. They coincided. They overlapped. Uh, so Isaiah begins around 740 and takes it down to about 680, 681. Yeah, so right in the 8th century to the turn of the 7th century. The same time Micah. Yes, Hosea and Micah, yep, yep in that same, same time frame. So, all right, you ready? So here we go, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1. So the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, concerning Judah and Jerusalem which he saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Four kings. Okay. And notice notice how it's formatted, Tammy. What does it mean the way it's, well, I'm not sure if you can see it on your phone. What do you notice how the text is formatted? What does it tell you? The kind of writing it is right at verse 2. Anybody? Uh, yeah, no, but I'm, the format. If you're a writer, how you're writing it, the format, what does it imply? What's that? Poetry, Poetry. Poetry. exactly. This, these are lyrics to songs. Yeah, and when you realize that there's a sense in which Isaiah was a songwriter, it, it, it kind of opens up some things. You see this in Jeremiah as well. But it's heavy in Isaiah, heavy, heavy poetry in Isaiah and words that would be set to music. By the way, that helps transfer the data from one person to the next, okay? Like, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I won't, you know, hurt your ears with my voice, but you get the idea. You put this to a tune, and it can help you retain the information. So it's a common device in the wisdom literature. So, uh, right out of the gate, shama in Hebrew, shama. Listen, hear, here, shama, heavens and earth, for the Lord has spoken. Listen, uh, Deuteronomy 6, 4, the famous text uh, that the, the Jews quote, shama Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu, hear Israel, the Lord our God is one. That is, that's one of the most famous texts that the Jews quote. Um, uh, sons I have raised and brought up, but they've revolted against me. So right out of the gate, he's addressing a problem. Look at what he says. The ox knows its owner, and a donkey its master's manger, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Did you guys see in the news uh, that a service dog uh, a military dog, a trained dog uh was with some soldiers and one particular soldier is attached to. They got separated for seven years and when they were put this together and found the dog and re- reunited the dog, the dog went berserk, trying to grab a hold of and hug this soldier it 's amazing so the 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 whole idea here is that that a dog knows its owner, you know? Um, And that reminds you, of course, of of John 10. My sheep hear my voice. They know me, and they follow me. They can recognize my voice. Uh, I've repeated this a few times here. had a really powerful moment when I was at a small church in Tennessee. We were doing uh, a Christmas event, and I got a... Sheep from one of, a sheep farmer in Tennessee. Let me take this sheep. The sheep's name was Angel, by the way. And the the shepherd said, that this is how you're going to handle the sheep, and da 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 And this is what would happen with little Angel, okay? Is that if I were her caregiver and she literally bonded with me, okay, I could walk, leave her here, walk over there, and Angel would look for me and find me. And then stand right next to me. It was amazing that whole thing, like Mary had little lamb, and the sheep would follow. That's real. And then, but if I had to go, I would pull Dale in, and Dale and I would stand with her, and and she would smell Dale's scent, and and Dale would scratch it around his ears and all that stuff. And once I saw the bond, I would leave, and the sheep would attach to Dale, and where Dale walked about, that sheep would go right with Dale. So it's really fascinating the capacity of an animal to know a master and form a bond the ox knows its owner and a donkey its master's manger but israel does not know me that's a powerful idea that israel has has forgotten the bond that we had and has wandered off they don't understand and then he 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 says oh sinful nature or nation People weighed down with guilt, weighed down with guilt. Um, The clients that the Lord has given me this great privilege to care for who are high anxiety patients, okay, a couple of dynamics typically kick in with my high anxiety, anxiety patients. Number one, they experience something known as Italian dread, Italian dread. And they are typically very guilty people. My high anxiety people have this almost default idea that they're really guilty. And they have high levels of shame, high levels of guilt, Italian dread, and that integrates with, with their anxiety. People weighed down with guilt. Now, obviously, Isaiah is not talking about a psychological state in the sense of what we would call general anxiety disorder or something. He's talking about the people, the sheep, that has left the shepherd and doesn't even remember the bond that they had. And they're engaging in behaviors that are against the shepherd. They're following after another leader, right? And it's so bad they become offspring of evildoers, sons who act corruptly. They've abandoned the Lord. They've despised. There it is, the Holy One of Israel. And they've turned away from him. So, and then you in verse five, you get this language of punishment, and that physical disease is depicted as spiritual illness. Um, where you're going to be stricken again, Israel, if you continue in your rebellion, the entire head is sick. In fact, the entire heart is faint from the soul of the from the foot, uh, sole of the foot, even to the head, there is nothing healthy in it. Only bruises, slashes, raw wounds, not pressed out nor bandaged, not softened with oil. By the way, there's a little historical reference to medical care, by the way, at that time in ancient Israel. A wound being pressed out and then uh, oil being applied. This is terrible. Isaiah said things very similar to this. You're so sick, you can't get over your illness. He said the same thing. And then he describes the land of Israel. It's desolate. It's like it's been burned with fire. The fields are not productive and, and produced. And look at verse 8. The daughter of Zion, remember Zion, Jerusalem, always depicted as a female, is left like a shelter in a vineyard, some cheap hut in a cucumber field is the idea in other words Israel is completely vulnerable anybody could walk walk in and take over Israel Um, and then if the Lord of armies had not left us a few survivors remnant we would be like Sodom we would be like Gomorrah utterly destroyed God had mercy and left a remnant and uh, this is interesting by the way well Pop quiz here in just a second. Uh, Verse eleven: What are your many sacrifices to me? Says the Lord, I've had enough. I've had enough of burnt offerings and rams and the fat of fat and cattle. I take no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. Interesting. When you appear before me, you uh, who requires of you this trampling of my courtyard? Uh, Don't bring your worthless offerings. Don't bring the incense. I don't like the way it smells. It's an abomination to me. I cannot endure the wrongdoing and the festive assemblies. I hate your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts. You've become a burden to me, and I'm tired of bearing this. He's talking about corrupt, polluted worship. Can you imagine? Here, everybody bring your animals. Let's let's do the ritual one more time. You know, and the priests, who, by the way, were professional butchers, it literally ran. It, it was a butcher shop. That's what it meant. And to offer these things to God, and and it gets so bad that God said, "When you spread out your hands in prayer, typical Israeli worship is like this. When you do this, okay, I hide my eyes from you." Yes, even though you offer many prayers, I will not listen. I'm not listening because your hands are covered with blood. Isn't that interesting? It doesn't say, I'm ignoring you because your hands have done naughty things. Your hands have spoken swear words. Your hands have done these little sins, these little sin things. He says, your hands are covered in blood. What do you think he's talking about? Remember, I told you about the theme of justice? Of yeah. When you, as a nation, Israel, when you fail to protect innocent people, you miss the heart of God. That's a big, big deal. Yeah. You know? And we get so hung up because we said a naughty word. And, like, oh, the world is going to spin off its axis. You lost your temper. You said something you regret. I'd never say that to church. (gasps) Like there's some horrific, horrific moral failure when we hate somebody because of their skin color and we turn a blind eye to children that suffer and there's there's a spirit of injustice. Okay, and so by the way, that's Isaiah fifty nine two. And this, by the way, this is all Micah. You hear Micah in all this. Verse sixteen: Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from my sight. Stop doing it. Stop it. Stop. Stop. Does that sound like something you read in James? There's your pop quiz. You remember James chapter 4? It's almost the same language. It's repentance language. Wash your hands. Get the evil out. Stop. Stop, stop, stop. It's the language of repentance. Learn. Look at uh, 17, by the way, straight out of Micah 6 8, or the same language. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor. Obtain justice for the orphan and plead the widow's case. That's the heart of God. Um, You know who should be leading the charge to make sure uh, adoption and children are protected and guys and and moms and dads that beat children? It should be the church. (coughs) Fighting for the unborn, fighting fighting against abortion, um, uh, fighting for uh, adoption, uh, and some of the hardest sentences should be those who beat children, who abuse children, whether it's physical, emotional, psychological, or sexual abuse. Um, can I tell you something? You know that language of uh, verse four: people weighed down with guilt. You know what? You know what I have guilt about. I'm going to confess something to you. I don't talk about this hardly with anybody. But as a pastor, I should have. I should have been quicker and fierce and having my own church members uh, investigated by child protective services. Yep. Sometimes pastors turn to blind eye and think, "Oh, it's not that bad, you know It's not that bad. And then all of a sudden you start doing therapy and a lot of counseling, and you realize, "Oh dear God." have mercy. Had I known, had I known 10 years ago, five years ago, the damage that was done by people in your own church. There's been child abuse cases, Phyllis, in every church I've ever been in. Well, Phyllis, thank you, sweetheart. In fact, you just quoted Isaiah. (laughs) Yes, yes, yeah yeah Yes yeah. Phyllis, you're a woman of grace. Do you know that? You are you are Yeah, I'm, I'm so grateful for you, yeah, but that's a big burden on me. It really is, because there's a sense in which, you know when you look at Ezekiel 34, Ezekiel 34 is all about the shepherds of Israel are obligated, it's, again, it's justice language to keep the big muscly sheep that are dominant from eating up all the food and drinking up all the water or fouling the clean water so that the weak livestock can't even get to it. That's a whole other thing in Ezekiel 34 about judgment that Israel, and he's talking about David, by the way, and the kings of Israel who failed to protect Israel. So I receive your words, and and I do walk out the grace. I'm forgiven. I know that. But my heart aches when a child is abused. My heart aches. Guess what? I'm an abused child. You think that's a sensitive issue for me? You bet it is. You bet it is. So that's and my radar's finely tuned to that, and uh, it, it, it's a heartbreaking thing. So, all right. Now, after all of that, you get to verse 18 that says this: "Come now." Let us debate your case. You, you got an argument with God? You think God's not fair? You don't think he's running the universe really well? Great. Let's play attorney, prosecutor, and defense. Come on. Come on. He's literally inviting them in the courtroom of heaven. Come on. Argue with me. Let's figure this thing out. Who's right and wrong? And this is what, what the Lord says. Jehovah. though your sins are as scarlet, They should become as white as snow. And though they are red like crimson, they should be like wool. Phyllis, that's grace. That's forgiveness. Isn't that amazing? Pretty intense language of, hey, Israel, come on. This is wicked. Stop. But when you get to 18, he's saying, come on. I'm willing to talk about it. I, the prosecuting attorney, want to show you grace. I want all this mess to get cleaned up, and I want you to be restored and be blessed. If you are willing and obedient, you'll eat the best of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you'll be you'll be devoured by the sword. Babylon's coming, Assyria's coming. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken back at that word, Shema, here. God's talking, who's listening? <laughs> God's talking, who's listening? So, all right. Um, more judgment language. Look at verse 23. Your rulers are rebels and companions of thieves. Everyone loves a bribe. Oh, everybody loves something under the table. I'll get you in the head. Just, Just give me a bribe. And look at that. They do not obtain justice for the orphan. So we're talking about Israel's corrupt legal system Priests and prophets and temple, uh, the, the religious leadership are taking bribes. <sighs> what a mess. Yeah. Uh, if there's repentance, verse 26, I'm going to restore your judges as at the first. I'm going to restore your counselors as at the beginning. I'll restore all these things. After that, you will be called the city of righteousness, a faithful city. That's God's dream. That's his vision for Jerusalem. Zion will be redeemed with justice and a repentant ones with righteousness. Yeah, Verse 30, those that don't obey, they're like an oak whose leaf withers away or like a garden that has no water. Isaiah 61, 3 says, I want you to be like an oak of righteousness planted to become like a mighty oak. Do you remember the story, Jesus curses the fig tree and it dries up? You know, that's a metaphor for Israel. Israel as a nation, it's a judgment language on the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. You're like a tree that's dried up. You're, you're killing Israel. Same language drawn right out of Isaiah. You're like a tree that's dried up. So, All right, that's chapter one. Any questions about chapter one? Anything you've noticed? What's important to you? What stood out to you? Something perhaps I skipped over that we missed? Was your heart stirred with anything? Boy, mine is. Wow. With chapter one. It's, oh, wow. Did you guys notice anything? I just see the parallels of our country with this. Oh, man. Big time. Oh, man. Even our government officials turn a blind eye to the track. Independent to take that slide. Yeah. <clears throat> I know you don't want to, but let me go ahead and tell you to do it anyway. <laughs> you need to go to the website of the Central Arkansas Library System and look at the pages on banned books. And you tell me if that doesn't result in child abuse. Insane. look at the headlines in the news uh, parents bringing their children to shows it's uh, this is clearly here we go again God's going to get upset at that stuff (laughs) when adults do not protect a child when adults don't protect a widow a defenseless person serious business yeah Uh, David our nation's in trouble they're flooding our borders fentanyl is flooding our borders. Um, I I was at the pharmacist con- pharmacy conference with Galen uh, on Wednesday, and out of our southern border, they smuggled in fentanyl, and the lady with it was arrested in Memphis. This is what the 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 presenter said. Do you know how much fentanyl she had? Enough to kill everybody in Arkansas. That's how much fentanyl can be that's just one. And guess where it's made? China. For real. That is not propaganda, that's not you know junk. Democrats blaming the Republicans, no. It's coming straight from China. Scratch your back, scratch mine. Oh, absolutely. And that's how a lot of that comes in. That's it's Yeah, yeah. cartels, they yeah. don't know about it, they don't do anything about it. Yeah. They're using them for yeah. cons. Basically. Yeah, it's a mess. Uh, roughly five... Our, our, our country. It, it's a it's, 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 politics, politics are real. Yeah. And politics are things that God pays attention to. And we get duped by this separation of church and state idea. But no, God pays attention. This is serious. And if you read the Old Testament, it's all about politics. Read the book of Revelation. It's all about politics. Um, there's roughly 500 former military and political leaders uh, in the U.S. that are now hired as employees of Saudi Arabia. High-dollar consultants for the government of Saudi Arabia. So, and you know what? It's so fun to talk about the government. It's so fun how much we hate the Republicans I hate the Democrats it's, uh, it's fun it's just fun but you know what do you have any idea the depths of the sins of the church of church staff of pastors any idea it's bad people they're in my office <laughs> they see me Tammy schedules them the church the perversion that walks through the door on the average Sunday is unreal but we love talking about Democrats and Republicans. We love it. It's so fun to blame the government. It's so fun to blame Trump for everything, or, or Biden for everything, or Bush, and go on and on and on. It's so fun, so easy. But wow, what comes in the door? Uh, what's going on with your staff? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And God sees. In this beautiful language of, hey, though your sins are as scarlet, I make them white as I want you to be clean. I don't want you to walk around weighed down with guilt. Phyllis, God doesn't want us to do that. God wants us to know freedom so that our souls become white as snow. Beautiful language. So, yeah, Isaiah gives piercing, piercing truth but always gives hope. I love Isaiah. So I think that's why Paul loved him so much. So, yeah. It's going to be a journey together with you guys on this. Stay with me. Stay with me. It's going to be so good. And we get to the material on Jesus. It's beautiful. So, um, the night in which Jesus was betrayed, There is a man sitting at the table who watched Peter walk on water. He watched a blind man see a crippled man on a mat get up and walk. He cast out demons. Wouldn't that be cool? To be part of laying hands on someone and leprosy goes away? to see miracles. He was dispatched on the great mission trips when Jesus sent out the 12 to heal and cast out demons, to do miracles. He was there. He was doing the miracles. Then he was a part of the team of 72 that went out. Okay. He did all that. He heard Jesus say, blessed are the poor in spirit. He heard Jesus say, seek first the kingdom, you know. He heard Jesus say, when you pray, pray like this. He heard him say, treat people the way you want to be treated. He heard all of that. He shared meals. You know what his job assignment was? To help orphans and widows have something to eat. His name was Judas. He was responsible for the money box. For the poor. Jesus takes some of the bread, dips it into the table sauce, offers it to you because that's a gesture of friendship. Come, come on, let's work this out. So in the night in which he was betrayed by Judas, Jesus took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body, take it, eat, all of you. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Drink from it, all of you. Take it, drink pass it, pass It is the Apostle Paul that later states that when you eat this bread and when you drink this cup, you are telling the death story of the Savior, who is the suffering servant. The lamb that was taken to slaughter remained silent. Never complained. To pay for the sins of all the world so that we could become wise. Snow. When you take that bread and you take that cup, this is what I say I was pointing to. Hundreds of years yet to come. Let me pray to you. Father, thank you for your love and grace. Have mercy on us, O God, according to your steadfast love. Thank you that you call us to your courtroom not to be shamed, but you call us to your courtroom to know mercy. Thank you so much for this great gift. Thank you for the work of Isaiah, your servant. Bless now as you take the bread and cup and remember you in Jesus' name. Amen.